Hello and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. Each week here on the podcast, we normally start with me doing an essay or a rant about the topic of discussion for the day, leading into the actual discussion with our usual co-hosts or maybe some guests. Today's will be a little bit different as I'm going to go back in history just a little bit to tell a story, though it will all make sense pretty quickly. In the fall of 1994, I was a sophomore in college, and my roommates and I randomly decided to hit up the local indie movie theater to see this black and white movie that we'd seen a preview for the previous week, and thus was my introduction to Clerks, a movie that became an instant classic in my brain for a variety of reasons. The dialogue, of course, was fantastic. Uh, I had also been spending the previous summers and assorted breaks um, working as a clerk at a bagel store on Long Island, so I identified deeply with the experience. I actually ended up seeing the movie a few more times and picked up the soundtrack as well, and it was only a few weeks later that someone mentioned that the writer and director of the film, Kevin Smith, was actually in the movie playing the role of Silent Bob, and it struck me as somewhat hilarious that whoever wrote so much wonderful dialogue gave himself a role in the film that only contained a single line of dialogue for himself. From there, I continued to follow Smith's movie career, and here and there uh, became aware of his related activities, including his famed Q&A sessions. Jump forward to 2008, I was heading off on a cross-country drive, and I realized that maybe I should finally see if I could figure out how to listen to these podcast things, and downloaded a bunch of random ones that I'd heard about, including one that Smith did with his friends called Smodcast, leading to hours of entertainment and a number of offshoot podcasts, each as entertaining as any other. Around this time, Kevin also joined Twitter and took to it naturally, which wasn't a huge surprise given his previous efforts at building an online community on his own site. Of course, during all this time, I'd been writing about the internet, innovation, and business models, in particular, content business models, and watching too many content creators, including many that I liked, struggle to adapt, sometimes pushing their fans away or even insulting them. So it was actually really exciting to see the ways in which Kevin continued to experiment, to try a variety of things, some of which succeeded and some of which did not, but to continue to innovate, to adapt, and all while continuing to connect with and build his fan base. Rather than blame the internet, Kevin dove in headfirst, tweeting up a storm, sharing all sorts of details about his life, and always being open to chat with his fans. Rather than give up when people said that the internet was killing content creators, Kevin embraced the new medium of podcasting, building up his own podcasting network. Rather than whine about things like movie piracy or declining investment in movie making, Kevin talked about how it brought in new fans and allowed him to try out different models, like touring with his own movie and conducting his famous live Q&As after each showing. And thus, Beyond the fact that I was a fan, starting two decades ago, I became incredibly interested in how Kevin was showing the way for other content creators in this digital age, where the roadmaps may be less clear, but where the old barriers have been completely washed away as well. Throughout it all, 
Kevin continued to experiment with a focus on always trying new things, embracing what the medium allows, embracing and connecting with his fans, and offering a variety of ways to support his efforts, frequently by giving away the abundant part of the content, such as the podcast, while charging for the scarcities, like the live appearances. Rather than pigeonholing himself as a filmmaker or an author or something like that, he was adapting and becoming a true storyteller. And not just that, but successfully building a business around that storytelling as well. Given all that, when we had the opportunity to sit down with Kevin Smith for the Tech Dirt podcast to discuss what he's done, the business of storytelling, how he views content creation today, what he thinks of the internet and content business models, along with a variety of other topics, I of course said, hell no, we won't do that. I'll just stick with our usual co-hosts. <laughs> Or, actually, I said, hell yes, let's do it. And thus, here we are, myself and co-host Dennis Yang, to have a discussion with Kevin Smith. Welcome. That, that, that was <laughs> lovely, dude. Like, if I, I wish everyone thought about me in those terms. <laughs> like, most people just think, he sucks cock, and they spell cock wrong. <laughs> but that was, uh, that was insanely well thought out. It was, um, you know, I, I sat there listening, going, God, that sounds... What an impressive career when <laughs> somebody else explains it. From, from my perspective, it's always like, oh, we tried that, it didn't work. Tried that, it didn't work. But it's nice to see somebody look at it from the outside and be like, like oh, he's trying to be innovative. Because most people will just quickly be like, oh, he sucks. And, <laughs> you know, and dismiss you for trying something different or stepping outside the box. And, you know, the first few times you get kicked for it, you're like, ah, oh, fuck. And then you just get used to it in terms of like, if you want to try something different. There's always going to be a never-ending parade of people telling you you're fucking stupid and stuff like that. <laughs> so it becomes this like uh, constant din of you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, and it exists. Right. And you acknowledge it from time to time because you can't not hear. It. It's like having a a pain factor of three for like a bad <laughs> leg or something. So every day you're like, yeah, you know, I, I can walk around, but I feel it every fucking day. So it's always nice when when somebody nails you and not the <laughs> negative way like there's always some people who can say shit about you then they find that you know the fucking holes in your armor where you're just like oh man like that's what i think about myself too but the flip side of that is when somebody like nails you like your description of of my career before we even started talking i was like oh my god he he saw it somebody saw it <laughs> you know what i'm saying so at least somebody sees it so it gives you a little juice to keep going i was telling the folks last night during the Q&A sometimes in life you just need motherfuckers tell you skate like go so often in life people are like don't skate sit down take your fucking skates off yeah. the people who you want to surround yourself with are the people like skate go for the horizon don't fucking come back I love you so much don't fucking come back like <laughs> it's it's a pat on the back can go a long fucking way and I'll be honest with you like during the red state uh, mm -hmm. affair while we were putting the movie out and stuff Tech Dirt was the thing that made me feel fucking good about myself all the time. Other places would write about it and didn't know what we were doing or tried to explain it. A lot of people were just like, he's charging fucking 60 bucks to see a movie. That's not innovation. That's fucking theft. But like, you guys were able, you guys would write about that or Smod Castle or, or the stuff mm -hmm. we did online. And I would be like, thank God fucking somebody sees it. And that's all, sometimes that's all it takes, dude, is like, one website wasn't the world wasn't like fucking time magazine says it was tech dirt and i was like oh thank god fucking they noticed so <laughs> it was water in the desert particularly during those times like you know i've you can bookmark shit right i've there are so many articles by you guys that are 
bookmarked <laughs> at the top of my page because whenever I felt fucking low or something, I was like, wait, what did Tech Dirt said good shit? I'm like, yeah, these guys know the future. <laughs> so it was, so when uh, they said, hey, man, they want to talk to you, I was like, oh, my God, I would love to do that because you you were difference makers big time. <laughs> oh, I, wow. it, for me, particularly for the, for the ego, and, and it's not even just the ego. It's like sometimes you just want to know that you impacted or that anybody noticed and you guys noticed. And I, I felt like, fuck, that's, I don't know, that, that made a big difference to me. So thank you. Well, I mean, thank, thank you for, uh, for doing that and, and, uh, and for joining us, obviously. You know, one of the things that, that people talk about, you know, with these kinds of things is, is with the experiments, right? Mm. You know, people feel like, oh, if you fail, that, that's, that's a bad thing. Right. And they feel like you have to have everything planned out too. And, uh, how much of what you've done has been sort of planned out or it's just kind of I, experiment I by, as I, you go? I push whimsy a lot where I'm just like, let me see if this could work. And I could be talked off of anything very easily. So mm-hmm. people could be like, that's stupid. But like, you're right, and I'll put it down. <laughs> but like Tusk was an instance where, you know, I engaged the Twitter audience with the hashtag walrus yes, walrus no. Right. And if there had been a majority of walrus no, I'd have been like, yeah, fuck it. it was, you're right. It's a stupid idea. But, you know, enough people were like, walrus, yes. You know, a bunch of people gave me a pat on the back and, and said, you are smart and good, whether it was smart and good or not. <laughs> but it was just the kind of confidence that, like, a child needs. You know, adults are always telling kids, you're smart and good and stuff. And then you get older and nobody tells you that anymore because, like, you're on your fucking own. So it's, that's what I love about social media. You can mm-hmm. always check in and feel the pulse of what you're doing at any given moment. So with that, I was like... Walrus yes or walrus no? And a bunch of people are like, yeah, walrus yes, why not? Now it's fucking sea of walrus fuck no. <laughs> you know, now that people have seen it and shit. But back in the early days of the idea, it was like, all right, and, uh, let's see if they agree. If they agree, that's a pat on the back, enough confidence for me to kind of step forward. So for, for me, it's never like, here's a well-shaped idea. Here's all the points uh, well executed. All we have to do is enact this and everything will work. Right. It's guesswork you know you try like i loved doing the red state tour but the the better version of that tour was the jay and silent bob super groovy cartoon movie tour because we learned how to do the tour with red state like with red state we rented a bunch of big theaters and then all of a sudden it's up to you to fucking film whereas on jay and silent bob super groovy cartoon movie we would get a house fill it up Mm-hmm. And then if there was more, we could fill up another show and do that. So you'd get smaller than like 1,200, 1,500-seater. you get like a 300-seater or 400-seater, right. like a movie theater, and then sell it and spin it. And it's not an incredibly innovative idea. It's what movie theaters do. That's what they're in the business of doing. Right. So, you know, for me, I was like, but, but it was. I mean, it was still different, right, in terms of like that's not how most – Filmmakers were, yeah. were going. What I did was I combined what I did on my one job with the other job. Like, yeah, I made movies, but I also went around theaters and did Q&A. Right. So I was like, well, I used to, in the very beginning, do Q&A after a movie. They'd see a movie, and then you'd talk about it. But the people who like the stuff I do, they've seen the movie so many times, eventually I got to a point where I was like, we don't really have to fucking see the movie. Let's just go right to the Q&A. We've all right. seen the flick and stuff. And this was a weird return to like, we're going to Q&A again, but after we watch this fucking movie. So I combined the two things, and I learned without th- without thinking, you know, and sometimes negatively so, like my touring business is something that like I also live off of especially in a world where i'm not getting paid a lot to make movies like right. when you have a studio deal like when i was making zach and mary make a porno's last movie i got paid a fuck ton of movie to do, uh, money to do the rest of them n- not 
very much at all by by industry standards and some of them i just didn't take a salary at all red state and clerks too i didn't get any money on i just wanted to make the fucking movie so right. i'll always figure out where to pay for my life someplace else standing on a stage doing q a one of those things so i combined those two things with red state and i forgot like in giving all the revenue to red state that was a bunch of fucking money that i would have earned just standing there telling stories for myself that i'd given up for the movie, but that was part of the plan, like make sure the investors get paid back and shit because you always hope that some other investor is going to come along and mm-hmm. say, hey, I hear you paid these guys back and, and it works out and stuff. So you figure things out as you go. Like after the Red State Tour was announced, I figured out, oh, fuck, I'm going to be broke. I didn't make any <laughs> money making the movie and I'm giving all the money from the movie and my touring away to the, to the production and stuff. So at that instance, like I, I went and wrote a book instead. That's where tough shit came from. I was like, right. all right, I'll earn from writing this and that'll augment that so I can do this. You always got to be willing to let go of money. That's it. Anybody can fucking innovate. And of course, if you've got a lot of money, like Elon Musk, you can constantly innovate <laughs> and do whatever the fuck you want. Man. But for those of us that don't have a lot of means but have a lot of dreams, you can always find some way to kind of express yourself or do it that you hadn't before, and you just got to let go of expectation of loot. Like my, I, I, I looked at my wife as the perfect example. My wife married me. We've been married like 16, 17 years almost, right? 17 years ago, my wife's a gorgeous fucking woman. Uh, could have fucking done far better than me. I'm punching way above my <laughs> weight class. And she, what she did was, you know, she looked at the landscape, who she, you know, she dated, uh, who I was and shit like that. And in my estimation, she just lowered her standards a little bit. You know, basically she was like, well, I could shoot high and then it might take longer and maybe the guy's an asshole or something like that. But this guy's all right. And fucking I could deal with him. And if I just... Like, lower my standards a little bit. Like, and maybe it's not standards. Maybe it's lower my expectations, we should say. <laughs> but I just lower my expectations. Like, maybe shit will work out. So I've always kind of looked at that and, and said, well, all right, well, just lower your expectations. Like, you can't start every new venture going, they're going to fucking rock their socks. Like, <laughs> rock your own socks. Yeah. Everyone else is secondary and gravy. Like, impress you. Make you happy. Because if you live your life trying to make, you know, other people happy, an audience happy, whatever the fuck, you'll be sad forever and stuff. But, boy, if you want to make yourself happy, it's easy. It's easy. Set little goals, but you got to manage those expectations so you can't go like, Man, this red state store is going. Red state tour is going to revolutionize fucking. No, nah, not at all. Like people had four walled movies before and stuff like that. Right. But I hadn't, and I I got to be at every public uh, screening of that film in North America. Something I can't say for all the other movies and stuff. It was like a church revival more than like <laughs> show, like just doing movie exhibitions. So. You set these weird goals for yourself. I mean, number one and most important one is like pay back whoever fucking paid for this. But personally, you know, you're not like, you know, I want to see myself on the cover of this magazine or you can't expect that kind of shit. Nobody can really plan for that. Like, you know, there's some movies that they pour a lot of money marketing and stuff and you're aware of them. But generally speaking, like the audience kind of creates enthusiasm for what they like and stuff. I'm lucky enough to have a, a big enough audience that like I can pretty much skip from project to project and kind of whimsy down life's lane where I'm like, let me try this, let me try this. And, you know, fucking master of no trades, jack of all trades, master of, of none except fucking dating. <laughs> so the idea of like being able to do that comes from that audience, right? Like it's not big, but it's big enough, you right. know? And so at that point, you ask yourself, what do you want more? Everybody wants to rule the world or do you just want to make yourself happy and you know some people who read and i'm not this is not one of these things like aim low kids it's not that (laughs) dream big and reach big but manage your expectations you know it's like 
what did I say about Clerks when I was a kid? It was like um, I needed to have, uh, oh, God, what was it? Um, an, a reasonable amount of unreasonability. You know, like unreasonability is like you can't do this or fucking people can't fucking fly without the help of a plane. So, you know, you're reasonable enough to be like, that is true. However, I can soar in this way or something like that. Just a reasonable amount of unreasonability because most reasonability dictates you don't go off and try to make a fucking movie if you've never done that before and stuff. In this day and age, you can do that. Everyone's got a fucking movie camera on their phone at this point. So I've always found like reasonable amount of unreasonability will take you incredibly far. It's not an unreasonable amount of unreasonability because that's, you know, who wants to be around that asshole? (laughs) But just enough where you're like, you know, I know it's not the standard and the odds are against us. But I think we can fucking, if we all pull together, you know, and and I say that often, that's the important fucking, most important part of the equation, man, is like this is a world of why, particularly now. Like I was born... Um, in the 70s, like 1970, right in the beginning and shit. And then ironic comedy, like, uh, kind of developed. I mean, it was always there, but boy, it became huge in the late 80s and early 90s and stuff. Negativity and cynicism, cynical sense of humor and stuff. So, uh, you know, and that, and believe me, I'm not bitching about it. Some of that shit's been my fucking bread and butter, but there's a lot of cynicism out there. That's why those jokes play because people are like, that's how I fucking feel. There's no hope. Nobody believes in the government anymore and shit like that. And, or not even our government, any fucking government. Everyone realizes we're all bought and paid for. It's all big business now and shit like that. So there's cynicism like fucking up the ass coming out the mouth and shit. It's a world of why. And if you tell somebody like, I want to do this, like why? Particularly <laughs> if you tell a like, close friend, you're like, I want to try... Something I've never done before. Man, I've never fucking picked up an instrument, but I really feel like we could put together a band if we gave it a shot. If, you know, some real trying and shit like that. I feel it there. I don't know why. You get a lot of cats and you're like, throw a rock and you'll hit some motherfucker and be like, why? Why would you think you could do that? Why now? Why you and not me? Why do you think that you're better than me? And all is why. You just got to find people who are like, why not? You know, so you're like, oh, I'm fucking start a band. Like, why not? I think I'm going to do this fucking do it. (laughs) People that just dream practically with you and stuff, you know, and then you innovate until, or you imitate until you can innovate. You just, what do you like? You know, Mm -hmm. what are the things you do? That's why we try these things. You remember fucking Silence of the Lambs? Like, what do we, we go at what we covet, what we seek. We covet what we see every day. You fall in love with people doing things, the way somebody tells a story in a blog, the way somebody puts up a video on YouTube, the way somebody makes a movie, something like that. Captures you, grabs some part of you where you're like, I don't know why, I have no fucking good reason to say this, but it speaks to me. It's this uncalculable, incalculable connection between audience and material. And that audience member watching that material just aggregates experience, constantly going like, yeah, yeah, like I would like to do that. I would, I, this sounds fun. And when I was a kid, you know, you'd listen to the radio and be like, fuck, I wish I was on the radio. That sounds fun. But it's a fucking pipe dream unless you owned like your own little radio station or whatever. Maybe in high school, you're lucky that high school or college radio station. Now in the age of the internet, you can do that. You can be right. like, I'm going to do a fucking show. This is a fucking radio show. So, but back then... There wasn't a lot of opportunity, so I guess a lot of people didn't understand that, like, yeah, you, we can, you can be more than this. Like, people do it all the time. You listen to some fucker on the radio, why not you? You sit there all the time, you're like, man, that fucking person on the radio, I'm smarter than that person, I'm fucking funnier than that person, why not me? There was an opportunity for a little why not me. My whole life, I'd drive past this fucking radio station, a um, little small square box in Monmouth County with a huge fucking antenna and stuff. And I was like, man, what would it be like? And I remember I talked to somebody at one point going, what do you think that radio station costs? Like, I know what it costs. It was a couple million bucks and shit. I was like, for a local radio station? Like, yeah, you got to deal with fucking FCC. You got to deal with all this shit. 
So, you know, that was always kind of how I hoped to run out my clock. Like when I, nobody wanted me in film anymore, I'd go sit <laughs> on a radio for a while and stuff. And then podcasting happened. And now the trade-off for podcasting is you could fucking do whatever you want. It's not even like the fucking radio where you can't say certain things. You can talk about anything. You can talk as loud as you want. You don't even have to stop for commercials. You can go 24 hours. Nobody would stop you. You like, going to stick around for 24 hours here? I will. <laughs> I'm I'm keep talking. <laughs> I, I absolutely will. I'll let you get more than one question off, I swear. But, uh, but you could sit there and, and just fucking go and go and go. That to me was like, that's worth it. I want to do that. The only problem or trade off is no money. Like, yeah. you're doing it for free, you're doing it for passion. But for me, I'm like, fuck it. I don't, that, that's what it's all about. I never gotten this business to fucking make money. And, and so far, I've been very successful at not making money. But I've always gotten into it because I'm like, fuck, I want to tell a story. And, you know, film was the way I could tell the story first because I saw Richard Linklater do it. I imitated until I could fucking innovate and stuff. So I want to make something like that. And that was Clerks and whatnot. And Clerks wasn't even. By the standard of like, man, I was trying for slacker. Boy, I fucked up. <laughs> but, you know, it wound up being a pathway into it all. So, you know, cats who are, who are like um, sitting there going like, all right, how does one get started and shit like that? It's very easy. You dream. Like you daydream like, like a motherfucker, man. Like D, was it Lawrence? T. Lawrence talked about the dreamers of day. It's a very powerful quote. You can find it. I don't know it word for word, man. But um, the gist of it is like people who dream at night, you know, wake up in the morning, find that all they've dreamed about is vanity. You know, it's just a fucking dream. Powerful people are the dreamers of day because they can fucking dream with their eyes wide open and enact those dreams and stuff. It's a very cool quote, man. It never probably doesn't apply to 99.9% .9 of us. Like Lawrence was a very big man in a big life, but you want it to apply to you. You're right. like, fuck, I want to be a dreamer of day. I want to fucking, I don't want to sit there at night and be like, wouldn't that be nice and wake up, go to some fucking job I don't like and stuff. Be a dreamer of day where it's just like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to dream it and I'm going to make it happen in the waking hours. You're going to shape your world so that it looks like something that you'd be more comfortable in and stuff. And not in the way of like, let's get rid of all the lower races. No, that's fucking <laughs> genocide and horrible and stupid. All this stuff is about arts, kids, not harmful. If you're sitting there going like, yeah, he's speaking to me and I want to hunt children. I'm not talking about <laughs> harmful things. It's about art. Like there's two things in life, two paths you can take, mm -hmm. right? It's creation, uh, destruction, creation. Yeah. A lot of people out there, plenty motherfuckers to destroy. They will never run out of people to fucking <laughs> knock shit down and break it down. The internet was created for all of those people, including me from time to time, who just want to fucking swing a hammer and shit. And then there's creation, which is like you get one shot. You're here for however long, man. You get to create things out of nothing. You know, they talk about everyone has fights about religion and everybody has an idea about God and whatnot. But meanwhile, everybody just overlooks the fact everybody's God because you could sit there and create something. You create your own fucking world, characters that breathe and live more than some fucking people. You know, I think about, like, I, Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Fucking Han Solo, uh, I'm at the Star Wars panel at San Diego, which didn't go that great for me, but it was a great <laughs> fucking panel, great panel, and I'm sitting there watching Harrison Ford and, and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher take the stage of the last three of this very amazing panel that was sitting up there. And... As I, you know, there's Harrison Ford at one point before he went back, I'm, I'm backstage before he went on stage. I could have balled up a tissue, hit him in the back of the head hard. <laughs> like, you know, fucking right. that's how close we were. And the whole time I'm thinking, fuck, man, like this guy, he played somebody I love so much. I believe in that person more than I believe in some blood relatives who I've seen <laughs> in the real world. Like, you connect to that shit in, in a big fucking bad way and stuff. And so, 
you look at these things, you're like, I want to be part of that world. I want to do that, you know. And and most times the world would discourage you, and and right. particularly the internet. Very, it's very rare to turn to the internet for fucking support because <laughs> most cats will fucking shout you out of a good idea. But if you chase it down just a little bit, chase a little whimsy, man. Don't be a dick about it. Where it's like buy hook or buy crook. This is manifest <laughs> destiny. Nothing is manifest destiny. You just got to be amenable to if it doesn't work or something like that, or ready to pivot and change into, into something else. But as long as you're, you know, you, you got breath in you, mm -hmm. every day get up and be like, what do I want to do? Like for me, like think about it. We all do everything we do in life for them. And I don't know who them is in this instance. Parents, work, fucking boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, class, whatever. You, you, you live your life by a certain set of standards and rules and things that you do for everybody else. When you're a kid... You live for yourself, and it's a lot of fun, and you dream and shit like that. And, of course, we all got to grow up and become responsible. The thing is, that dreaming, man, that's so fucking... That, that's, that was such a part of who you are today. As an adult, all that childhood dreaming. And then for some reason, we shut it off. We're expected to shut it off and grow up and shit. But you need that. And I don't mean you need to play in a fucking sandbox. I mean you need to fucking daydream. And not the kind of, I'm in traffic at work and fucking, wouldn't it be great if the car could fly? I mean, like, I'm just going to drive around and fucking think about what I would love in life and stuff. And then you'd find something that's not that difficult. Not like, I'm going to rob Fort Knox, but something that's just <laughs> like, man, I love these podcasts, or I've seen so many movies, or I watch these fucking videos on YouTube and shit. And even though it's not in my background or my world, and nobody's ever encouraged me to do so, I think I want to fucking give it a shot. You take one of those moments for yourself, sometime over the course of the next fucking six months, and you slowly chisel away at it. You know, you push whimsy. You try to fucking shape the world around it so it happens. You're not this dick who's like, make it happen to others because <laughs> you're the only one who could do it with enough power to kind of shape your world. You do that, man, and slowly. You know, you don't set an agenda and stuff like that. It's a side project while real life is going on. But the funny thing is, like, you spend enough time doing it, put enough affection into it, enough attention, enough passion, like anything else and stuff, it turns into this thing, to this real thing, this very real thing that becomes who you are, you know, and what you define yourself as because it allows you to use your voice. And, you know, I say it a zillion times, it's probably fucking tiresome for some, but it's true. Your voice is your only currency in this life. That's it. That's all you fucking get, man. That and, you know, some people are like, what about a big dick? I'm like, well, you don't all get that or something. So, you know, the currency in life that we all have to spend is is our voice. It's that weird fucking perspective that only we have. It's a prism through which we view everything that's completely different from one another, and that's what makes what you think valuable to somebody. So they'll try to shout you out of being an individual the moment you get into some place where they're like, now you're in business, and we'll tell you how business goes. You know, the movie mm -hmm. business is very common. You watch people break out with a movie, um, you know, a small movie or something like that, and then the first thing they do is kind of ill-fit a larger fucking movie on top of them and whatnot, and, and it's not always one does not always equal one, man. You know, sometimes you just kind of got to play around a while before you aggregate into something bigger because that aggregation, all of a sudden you got a bunch come up with aggravation. Boy, I sound like a catchphrase idiot right now. <laughs> but it's true. Like suddenly when you take a step up, everybody wants to take a shot at you because um, it's a crab pot out there. Motherfuckers don't really like to see people rise above them or get out of the pot. They'll yank you right the fuck back down because misery loves company. So, you know, for, for the, the idea of, of uh, 
fuck, I lost <laughs> so many words. I lost my fucking place. The idea of, of sitting there and kind of going like, all right, man, I'm going to try something that fucking other people have that I'm not good at. And I'm going to get shouted down for it by a lot of people. And pe even people within your world, people that love you will fucking be like, don't do this. And not because they're like fail like me, but because they care about you. Right. They don't want to see you get hurt when it doesn't work. But what you know and they don't, so you're going to make it work. You're a dreamer of day. And it may not be how they think you're going to do it, but you have an inner standard that you'll hit and you'll be satisfied when you hit it and stuff like that. You gauge your success on your internal feelings, not you know what other people say. If you gauge your success on other people or how or wait for them to be like good fucking job you know you go hungry for the rest yeah. of your fucking life <laughs> people are busy with their own stuff it doesn't make them assholes but it's just like right. everyone trying to make their miracle happen and stuff so um yeah man i i, I guess now i've rambled you should talk <laughs> <laughs> no no <laughs> you, you you are the guest you are here to ramble it's mm -hmm. great um and and you you answered like most of my <laughs> questions anyway so that, no it's great but but um uh just pivoting off of some of some of that good the um you know one of the things that you've been really really good at um beyond all of these other things is you have that that fan base that mm. is really really strong and really committed to you and and you know and and really sticks with you and and it's one of those things where you know, and as you mentioned earlier, like that's an important part of this is that you can reach out to them and you know that they'll follow you in, in new and interesting places. And yet it's one of the things that I, I often hear from other content creators that they you know, they're they're they haven't been able to or they, they're they're almost afraid to sort of build up that kind of fan base. And so do you have any kind of uh, you know lessons or or what have you learned from from having that fan base? How did you you know how do you think you built it up and and what um, do you think you can a, say for others? Well, there's always a you know I guess the the need to satisfy the customer, so to speak. So if you have an audience, I guess some people get afraid. They're like, well, then I'll just play to my audience. But everybody does that. Steven Spielberg plays to his audience. His right. audience is way larger than most of ours <laughs> and stuff. Play to your audience. Nothing wrong with that, man. That's playing to your fucking strengths and stuff. And you can also try to grow a different set of muscles for yourself. If you're not good at doing something, you can try doing it on a regular basis. Like with the podcasting stuff, I was always pretty good with the turn of phrase as a writer and stuff, and I was always pretty good at Q&A. But after like what is now eight years of podcasting, mm -hmm. like you know, I'm, this is I'm not bragging and I'm not trying to get laid off of it, but like I, I, you know, you're pretty you're pretty Zen Jedi at that point. <laughs> you know, you could sit down and talk about anything right. um, at, because you've got so much practice and you know how to like be funny if you have to. You know how to like drive a story where it's like, all right, I can feel I'm losing the room. Let me inject a little humor and get him back and then fucking continue forward making the point and stuff. So like, you know, the practice certainly helps just sitting around talking and, and talking and talking uh, in that instance of doing the podcast. But, you know, I, for me, I learned with Tusk, that was kind of where I retaught myself. Because um, Clerks was a movie where I was like, I, I was the only one that wanted to see it. Nobody knew what that movie was. Mm -hmm. Like, I desperately wanted to see a movie that reminded me of me and my friends. A movie where people sat around talking about pussy and Star Wars. Like, that kind of comedy <laughs> that nobody had really done before. And I would always sit there in a movie theater and go, how come I don't make a movie where dudes sit around talking about pussy and Star Wars and now we don't understand women and shit like that? <laughs> one day, someone will. And so, you know, I realized nobody's ever going to make that fucking movie. Dude, they don't know who you are. They don't give a shit about you and your friends or what you find funny. If you ever want to see that movie... You're going to have to make it yourself. And, and I did. And it was clerks. And it kicked off my career. And then you have a career. Mm -hmm. And you go into like career management mode at a certain point where you're like, i got to save this. 
you know, didn't have something worth saving before. So I was fearless when I was like, let me make something, let me make clerks, have nothing to lose. Suddenly you got a career down the road. You're like, well, fucking, you start second guessing all your decisions because you're like, well, I got to hold on to this now. What if they go away? So Tusk was kind of like liberating because it was a return to, to the same moment where I was like, I want to see this fucking movie so badly and nobody was ever going to make this stupid movie. And I remembered who I was like, you know, fucking, Oh my God, this, I've been here before. It's like Battlestar Galactica. It's all happened before. It will all happen again. Like <laughs> I'm at the same fucking moment where I'm like, I want to see something that will never exist unless you make it. So I was like, you want to see a stupid fucking walrus movie, make it. And I did. And, and while I was making it, like, I didn't think about, you know, my audience, like, what is a Jane Silent Bob fan going to think or something like that? Cause I realized like the only reason they knew me in the first place was because I followed my gut instinct and did what I wanted to do. When you start trying to guess and do what they, what you think they mm -hmm. want you to do, that's even worse, dude. <laughs> when you think they may want you to do, that way lies ruin because you didn't get there by showing them the same thing they'd seen before. Right. You got there by showing them something that was different, new, something that nobody would bother fucking doing. So I was like, yeah, man, that's the idea. The idea is like, if I'm... If I'm happy myself, if I'm, I'm like, fuck, this is weird and out there and stuff, yeah, you're going to lose some cats. They might not be into it and stuff. But you're going to thrill other cats. You're going to bring in new mm. people, too, who are just like, wait a second. I didn't see this coming. You know, the notion of taking a podcast, turning it into a movie, like, it's not like, man, I was going to change the world. <laughs> but it just, it, it opened up a few more windows for a bunch of cats who were like, that's my way in. Like, right. I always wondered how, and now there's my route. You know, it's like, like everyone tries to go through the front door into the mansion, but, like, there's many fucking back doors and tons of fucking windows that they don't ever cover. They cover the back, the front door like a <laughs> motherfucker. Try getting through the front door. Good fucking luck, man. Some do, but mm -hmm. that's tough. Back doors and fucking back windows and shit, man, they get created all the time. And so when I was like, oh, I'm going to take this stupid fucking podcast, turn it into a movie, a bunch of people somewhere were like, that's it. That's what I could fucking do. That's my content generator, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I feel like as much as I love my audience dearly, but I think in order to serve them good or bad, I always got to do what I want to do. Be masturbatory. I mean, it's a horrible piece of advice, <laughs> but like, you, you know, they're there because you said something that caught yeah. their attention. So they're interested in what you have to say. And, and you know, maybe each thing you say isn't going to be their favorite thing or each thing you say isn't going to be interesting to them. But they'll appreciate the fact that you're trying to say something different each time. And that's, you know, that's what, that's what builds a long tail, you know, where they're just like, oh, shit, he did that thing or she did that thing or she always does this. People don't fucking do that, man. That's You give people a reason to kind of stick around. And that's all you get in this life. And you get their attention for a microsecond. Right. And, you know, think about it. There's a zillion things to look at, listen to, fucking be engaged in. Like, we're, we keep talking about artsy shit and entertainment and blah, blah, blah. We aren't even talking about the real world. People engage with other human beings. <laughs> like, have children, wives, husbands, grandparents, and shit like that. So with all this, uh, you know, competition for people's attention... When they fucking happen to look over at you, you know, be like fucking Bullseye from Daredevil. You're just throwing <laughs> fucking everything and desperate to hit a target, yeah. man. And playing card becomes a weapon in your hand right. because you got them for a second before they look on to something else. So it helps to have 
like not like legendary moves, but it helps to have big moves in your corner. You know, they'll mm -hmm. notice if you're like they're like walrus movie, and it may not make <laughs> them stick around, but they'll fucking turn for a second. So yeah, it's you. You almost I, I could see where some people are like boy, it's dangerous having an audience, but for me, it's never been dangerous. It's only been beneficial. And you know, sometimes we've been at odds, me and the audience. Not like I fight with them, but I'll make something that I'm going on a journey that they don't want to go on. Tusk was one of those moments <laughs> where a bunch of them were like, "Really?" But you know, you if they trust you, they'll come back, or you'll yeah. do something else. They'll come back, and if they never come back, you had them once, and yeah. you should be thankful for that because billion different people out there to grab their attention billion different things that are far more interesting than you and shit the only thing you got going for you is that voice man your voice is your fucking currency so you spend it on them as much as fucking possible and a lot of them will stick around and stuff and 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 become you in the weird way of like you looked at others and you were like i want to do that and i'm going to imitate yeah. and then innovate yeah. i one of the things that makes me happiest in this world is losing podcast listeners because I know I'm losing them to po becoming podcasters. They stop <laughs> consuming and they start making. Right. And once, and I know I make podcasts. I know what it's like. You know, you can't listen to other people's work if you're <laughs> constantly fucking doing your own. So it's very bittersweet. You get to raise a bunch of people in an audience, but you spend every moment telling them. Go out and do this. Go out and do this. Before they figure out how to charge you for this, go out and fucking do this. Before the medium changes, before FCC shuts it down, it's the wild, wild west. You go out and fucking do this too. And you just know, you know, sadly, that when you push them out the nest, they're going to fucking go and not be like, I'm going to live my dreams and keep helping you live yours. I'm going to keep listening to your stuff. They're going to go be generators themselves, content generators. So you lose your audience to become content generators. And, you know, it's it's kind of like, man, I wish they were still here, but what what's better than that? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a long tail. Yeah. Five, ten years from now, once they're fucking busy, and once they've done busy themselves, getting where they want to go, once they've built their shit, man, and maybe even ten years, maybe it's every minute, every day, they will remember who sent them there. Like, I, every day of my life, I think about Richard Linklater. And not like, what is he doing right now? <laughs> but I think about, if I hadn't seen Slacker, never would have tried yeah. any of this. And my life has been fucking wonderful since the moment I saw Slacker because it taught me to dream. So, you know, I get it. I get, like, the importance of trying to fucking inspire people, man. Like, to try to tell them, like, this is okay. You could do this. Like, I'm glad you think I'm fucking special at it, but I'm a chimp. You could do it, too. <laughs> So, you know, it's great, and it makes you feel good, and that's really what you should be doing in life. What are you going to do, accrue a bunch of fucking money and shit? I'm not Scrooge McDuck. I'd rather accrue a bunch of fucking souls who are like, that guy fucking made a difference. The way I think about George Carlin, mm -hmm. that's how I hope my audience thinks about me. You know what I'm saying? We're like, he made me fucking think. He made me laugh and shit like that. And, you know, I don't get like a regular HBO special every year to kind of <laughs> update him, so the podcast kind of take care of that. Yeah, so... One of the other things is just the fact that, that beyond, obviously, um, jumping in and, and doing all the podcasts, mm -hmm. um, and then Twitter and Instagram and, and social media, and I mean, you had a website with forums going way back. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've always been very quick to kind of to make use of these platforms and, and really use them to connect. Not Snapchat, though. Snapchat baffles me. Yeah, I haven't quite figured that I, one out it's, yet. It's <laughs> fucking uh, Harley Morristine from Epic Mealtime was uh -huh. trying to explain it to me. My kid was trying to explain it. Two Harleys tried to explain it to me. <laughs> and I was like, but wait, but it, like, it doesn't stick around? They're like, oh, it's in your story for a day. I'm like, 
but what's the fucking point? Like, <laughs> right. this shit has to have a long tail. It has to exist forever. So I hit a technology where I'm like, huh. baffles me. And I know it's popular, and I know it fucking works and shit, but like, for my purposes, I'm like, I don't understand what that would be useful for and stuff. So, you know, and, and I'm putting out Snapchat. I know fucking it's awesome, and I know it's, it's popular with everybody, but for me... It's one of those things where I'm like, ah, I, I've hit a place where now I feel like an old man. <laughs> Snapchat was the first thing that made that me was, feel old. I, I had the exact same reaction to it. And I still feel like I have to keep trying because I feel like I don't want to be that old man. I know. I, I, I actually, every, every time I see Harley Morenstein, man, he's just like, you're not on Snapchat yet. And I was like, I just, I don't know if I understand it. I, I really yeah. don't get it. And, and it I, does make me feel like, fuck, I'm out of the loop. <laughs> I mean, I, I think the, the thing about Snapchat, the, the reason why the kids, I think, like it is mm. they're, they're so savvy now to navigate kind of social media and the permanence of it. Mm. And it's scary when something's permanent. Good point. Right? So I think that you have that fear, that fearlessness approaching kind of, you know, Social media and, and also it benefits my job yeah. for permanence. Right. Like I said yeah. this, and you can always go find it and shit. I'm yeah. sure there are some things I've said in the past where I'm like, "Fuck, I wish I had Snapchatted <laughs> that." Yeah. Nobody knew I said it, but you're right. They're so they probably feel like, that freedom. Yeah, you know, posting something on Twitter or Facebook, it's it's there, part of their permanent record. Whereas Snapchat, they can be themselves, right. and supposedly it's not going to get out. But you know that that might be false as well. See, and that's where like yeah. I think like a businessman. Where I'm like, well, fucking, what's the yeah. point of doing it if nobody sees it? And they're like, no, the people I want to see it see yeah. it. Doesn't have to be the world. That's smart. Well, but you I think just literally explained <laughs> Snapchat to me and why it works in a way that nobody has been able to. Yeah, because I think it's brave. It's brave to be yourself, right? Especially when or 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 in my case, it's like yeah. as business. Like if I'm not, I I chose at a certain point, wisely or unwisely, like you know, because I began as a filmmaker and then I diversified the portfolio over and over again until finally I was like, well, I guess I'm, I'm me for a living. Mm -hmm. And that's fucking yeah. awesome, kids. If you could be paid to be you, yeah. you have fucking won the internet. The only problem with that is that, you know, when you're just a director, the movie's over, you can go live a real life. When you're you for a living, <laughs> it never fucking ends. So, yeah. like, when I wake up in the morning, like, that's why Snapchat yeah. baffles me because I'm like, well, why am I going to fucking tell a few people what I'm doing? I have to yeah. fucking tell everybody what I'm doing because I'm me for a living. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird little tender trap. I would never, like, regret it or say, like, oh, I wish I hadn't done it. But, like, it's just one of those things that when, when you're you for a living, like, you just realize, like, yeah. oh, I guess, I guess the, my personal, like, I make so much of my personal public and stuff. Something like Snapchat doesn't yeah. occur to me because I'm like, well, why would I tell nine people I don't <laughs> only tell ten people for, in my for life. just one day yeah, yeah for one day <laughs> but meanwhile it's like if I if I didn't have Twitter Instagram if I didn't yeah. have Facebook if I didn't have like my life and stuff like that I bet you I would love it it creates an, an adventure like you yeah. sit there and cry now I totally get it <laughs> literally, you just literally heard my brain snap back into youthful mode and understand Snapchat thank you for that all right. Well, I know I know we're running out of time, but just as sort of a final kind of par mm -hmm. parting thought, um, as people are, you know, as everyone's sort of trying to navigate these things and, and understand, you know, how do they, you know, do all the stuff that we were talking about, sort of, you know, find that dream and, and go for it. Do mm -hmm. you have any kind of, I guess, parting wisdom <laughs> for folks about, um, you know, how, how should they approach it in their own lives? Um, I honestly, like, uh, oh shit. the, uh, 
this is, somebody asked me last night, they're like, what's the future of the internet? And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> um, but here's what I think it, it, it might have something to do with. Um, the first version of the web, as I recall it, because I was around for when that happened, was here's a bunch of content. Play some games, look at this movie website and shit. And then the second version of the web, when it grew up, was here's an empty framework. Add yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what Facebook is. That's what Twitter is. Yep. Instagram, Snapchat. All these things where instead of like, you know, let us entertain you, the internet's like, entertain us, tell us who you are and stuff. So I think what we're going to see is a lot more people figuring out how to be themselves for a living. Hmm. Yeah. Um, like my father couldn't be himself for a living. You know, he worked at the post office and many times often said, I'm a cog and I'm a fucking machine and stuff like that. He, he didn't have the luxury of like, oh, I can fucking figure out who I am and what I'm about and then engineer the world to get paid for that. And not like I'm getting paid for all that, but I mean to make your living so you're not going to some fucking job that you don't like. Like the, uh, the thing I've watched over the last 20 years uh, online is jobs created out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Like uh, here, man, Shirt Punch, one of my favorite fucking stories in the world. Dude runs Shirt Punch. I love him to death, man. This is, you know, there are many websites online where 24 hours they make a fucking t-shirt with a really cool image that you could never fucking license for real someplace. You know, it's pop-up shops, and they go away right away. A lot of them out there and stuff. Shirt Punch was just one of them. This kid up in Canada was doing it. And uh, he he worked on it for, like, six months. And, like, you know, he's like, my first shirt, man, we sold, like, a couple thousand. I was like, holy, I I think I could turn this into something. He had a real job. He was going to school or whatever the fuck. He left his real job, and he dedicated his time to Shirt Punch, man. And then, he you know, he he turned it into something. Hmm. So much so that you're like, rest on your fucking laurels, young man. You created a company where one didn't exist. But then all of a sudden he was like, I'd like to do something else. And he created uh, the company that goes with it, man. The uh, uh, What is it? The It's like a loot crate, but, I, but theirs okay. is called something else or something. So it's the box that you order, and then there's a bunch of cool crap in it and stuff like right. that. Every time I talk to this cat, he innovates that company. It huh. gets bigger and becomes something different. I guarantee you within two to three years, the dude's going to be producing films. Hmm. Like he has enough fucking means to do so because he built this fucking business out of scratch. That was a business that couldn't exist 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's probably a business that couldn't exist 10 years ago. Sorry, I popped up here really hard. Probably a business <laughs> that couldn't have even existed 10 years ago. So I think like that's what we're going to see and, and everyone should be aiming for is figure out what you bring to the table, man. Your voice is your currency and shape shit around that so that that is what you're doing for a living. And if, even if it's not like your main fucking job, mm-hmm. it's the adjunct. Like, because you are fascinating. You know what I'm saying? Everyone listening has a great fucking story, great perspective. A lot of us like to be, I'm fucking boring. No, you're not. You know, the, the, the fact that you're here, the fact that you exist means you're not fucking boring because you're intaking data on a regular basis and spitting it out through your own fucking prism. Your perspective, your thoughts, and what you feel and think are completely fucking unique. You take that iniquity, man, and you figure out what people what what's attractive about it to other people, or what people can use that for. If you're useful to other people, they'll fucking keep you around and stuff, and they'll employ you and stuff. So I, you know, it's it's just know that if you're gonna make yourself your job or you make your passion your your living, 
you know, you run the risk of it becoming a job. Like, right. and it did that for me at one point in the middle of the career. Like, you know, this is a job. My job is a filmmaker. And it began as a passion. Like, oh, if I don't make this movie, I'm going to fucking die. And then one day I got to a point where I was like, I don't make this movie. I'll make another movie. So that's what I do for a living. So, you know, you run the risk of like, you love it so much that you make it the thing you do for a living. You know, it's like fucking people get married and divorced and shit. Like, I love you to death. And then one day they're like, I can't fucking stand you. So you got to be careful. But I can't, you know, in my experience, like I've watched people around me, I watched my father and stuff uh, working through his life before he died and stuff. I can't think of a better way to live in this only possible life we get than for people to be like, I like you and what you think and what you stand for. Here's some money. You know, it's it's kind of like earned begging. You know what I'm saying? Like you could sure. go out there and be like, come on, I need some help. Or you could give them something useful that's not practical, like I could fix your engine. But you can make them laugh, you can make them think, you can write something. I mean, the content that you're holding, that you haven't spilled out for there for the world, and I'm not even being fucking dramatic about this, but you've got something in you that's going to save somebody's fucking life. Like, it's that simple. And people don't believe that. Like, ah, this horseshit. No, I've lived doing this 20 years, talking to strangers, over 20 years now, with make-pretend characters, with fucking podcasts, with whatever the fuck, every time mm -hmm. you reach out to them and stuff. I hear over and over again people who are just like, that thing. And it's never the same thing. It's not like, clerks, and everything else sucked. I'll hear clerks saved my life. Chasing Amy saved my life. Dude, once I heard, I'm not even fucking lying. I know the internet's going to be like, prove it, but it's true. <laughs> One dude was like, cop out. <laughs> Didn't save his life, but that was the jam he watched with his dad before he died. And fucking like, he carries it with him. And it's shit like that. That's what life's about. I mean, you can accrue as much wealth as you want, man. But the true wealth is in touching somebody else's life and lighting them on fire, you know, so they go off and fucking, because what's the alternative? You don't inspire people, they remain uninspired and they don't go off and do their shit. Like, fuck that. Yeah. Inspire them, try, you know, even inspire people that don't fucking like you. I always like, I wonder why the people who are like, I fucking hate them and shit, spend so much energy <laughs> yeah. just burning words on me yeah, where I'm totally. like, take all that passion, motherfucker, and turn it into something. If you really don't like me, the best way to express that is not by jumping online and being like, he's a fucking big fat jerk. It's by being more successful than me. Create your own fucking thing and then be like, look, fuck his shit. My shit is fucking good. And I guarantee you by the time you get there, you won't give a flying fuck about me. The only people that like sit there and kind of dwell on the negative are people that aren't going to take the positive steps themselves. So you could be that. It's fun. It's fun to like bash anonymously on the internet. But I'm telling you, it's far more productive. Take that fucking enthusiasm for like, fuck, I hate that guy and let it fuel what you want to do. Because look at me, if, especially if people are like, he's so fucking talentless and lucky, you're absolutely right. So look at me and go like, if this talentless fucking idiot is doing what I want to do, what the fuck is stopping me from doing it? You could do it, man. Anybody could do this shit. Well, with, with that, <laughs> wonderful <laughs> advice. Um, and hopefully people aren't listening to this for hate reasons. But... <laughs> there aren't there, man. It's the internet. Let's be honest. Should, Nine we, and we, ten. We should, we, should not, we should not turn away our hating audience either. So welcome. And... You turn them on. <laughs> turn them exactly. from haters into productive members of society. And absolutely, absolutely. You know what Steven Spielberg is? Probably deep inside. A guy who was like, fucking hate that one movie. 
<laughs> and has spent his life that's fucking true. going like, well, I corrected that mistake. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I made better movies. Now, if we could only find out which movie it was. Well, oh, my God. <laughs> thank those people big time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Kevin, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Uh, this, thank this was a really great discussion, and I'm sure that, that uh, you know, everyone is going to enjoy it. I, quite, I loved quite a it, lot. and honestly, I said it before, again, no bullshit. Like, you guys were a, a voice in a time when I needed somebody <laughs> to tell me I was smart and good because the rest of the world was going, <laughs> fuck you. So it was really nice <laughs> to look at those articles and be like, fuck, somebody sees it. I felt like if I died, that at least there was a public record somewhere online where somebody was like, no, 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 I was there. And what he tried to do was this. That was really sweet. Thank oh, you. Oh, all right. Well, well um, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> but uh, again, this was, this was a really great discussion. And thank you so much for taking the Excellent time. Excellent talking to you guys. And, uh, and uh, thank everyone for, for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week. Without Kevin, but still be good. <laughs> still be good. In spirit. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Thanks again. Bye. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free.